Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I am super glad that you're here with us because I am here with my most amazing guest, Claire. Claire, hello. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here. So give our peeps kind of the 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So my name is Claire, um, as just discussed, (laughs) Um, and I am a systems and automation coach and consultant. So what I do is I help entrepreneurs set up their backend processes so that they can run their businesses in the most efficient way possible. And I do this because being an entrepreneur, you know that it's so often said that people leave a job where they have to work 40 hours a week and end up working 80 hours a week. So I love to come in and help visionaries to really understand how they can use software and tools to streamline what they're doing so they can focus on being the visionary without having to give up their lifestyle and time with their family and all sorts of other things um, in the process. Awesome. So how did you get into all of this? Yeah, so it's a bit of an interesting tale. My whole career path, I've always been someone who, for want of a better word, gets bored easily. Um, so I, I actually started my career in manufacturing. So I worked for a big chemical company and I was um, scaling up products and processes within the manufacturing industry and helping them to launch new and innovative products. But I very quickly got bored of that because, well, I was working for a paint company um, in research. And so part of my job was actually to watch paint dry. Um, It is as boring as it sounds. Um, And so I decided that I wanted to make a change. And at the time, this new and innovative company that I'd never really heard of called Amazon was just launching in the UK. And they were looking for scientists and people who had operational experience like myself to come in and help them really grow and scale. Long story short, I decided to join Amazon where I was thrown into an account management role and got this wonderful if a little intense experience of trying to scale up brands and businesses in the digital space and understanding how you could coordinate teams across the globe to be able to really start to grow something. And I learned so much about what it takes to scale and how to run operations and the online space in general that I was just really inspired and had some incredible opportunities to learn about technology and learn about different areas of business. And that's actually how I found out about entrepreneurship. So I'd never really thought I would be an entrepreneur, but I started meeting more and more people doing these crazy innovative things. And I decided I want a bit of that. Um, So that's when I started my own business. And I very quickly, what started as a blog about tech, very quickly became a business about helping entrepreneurs with their processes because I realized the experiences that I'd had in my corporate career of working with all these different innovative companies, scaling multi-million dollar programs 
was not something that a lot of entrepreneurs um, had as their zone of genius. And I could really help them by implementing processes for them that would allow them to scale so that they could do the exciting, innovative and wonderful things that they were put on the earth to do. So what kind of people do you serve and support now? Who's your ideal client? Yeah, so primarily right now I work with agencies. So people who are working in the online space and have large remote teams and helping them to like grow and scale. But I also do a lot of work with different coaches and consultants who are really looking to help other people in either a one-on-one or a group capacity to start to scale their businesses and to start to grow more. Awesome. So what kind of systems do you use? Are you doing like Amazon online sales or their coaching and their um, speaking yeah. or book sales? <laughs> what, what aspects do you go into? Yeah, so I really look at the back end operations of businesses. So this is things like your onboarding processes. So how you get clients into your business in a way that is streamlined and smooth so that you can really deliver a great experience for them. And that's what's going to help you get the repeat business. I also look at once you've got those clients, how you manage them. So I really work with service-based entrepreneurs, but um that kind of client management and how you manage lots of different customers and lots of different projects that are ongoing in your business is something that we would look at and then finally i help people who are really just starting to build out their teams or have grown a team quickly and now need to have uh, ways of managing that to put in place the systems that make delegation easy. And so that can be a smooth process because it's definitely an area where a lot of people struggle, particularly in the beginning. So it's one where I find that we can really have a lot of impact by just implementing a few simple processes. Nice. So do you use proprietary software or do you go out in the industry and go, hey, this would be the best for you? Or how do you do that? Yeah, so I really class myself as software agnostic. One uh, like advantages coming from tech is that you do have like um, a, a, a solid understanding of like the ways that these different things work. So I like to work with people and understand exactly what their business needs are before recommending a system. Having said that, I do have some that generally I find for a lot of service-based entrepreneurs work really well. So I really like Dubsado for people who are doing one-on-one clients or client onboarding for project management software. I love Trello, but I also really love ClickUp for people who are doing more advanced things. Um, and then it kind of, for your other bits and pieces around your business, it really just depends on what you need and like how your business is set up. Very cool. So give me an example of one of your Cinderella stories. Oh, for sure. So one of my Cinderella stories, I guess, was actually one of the first clients I've worked with. So she um, was, she had her own agency before, but um, had decided to sell it when she was getting pregnant with her first child and was now looking to pivot into a coaching business. Now, being an excellent marketer that she is, she had found that very quickly she was ramping up and able to get clients. However, what she was missing out on was time with her son, time with her family, time to be able to like actually enjoy the new clients that she was getting and her new business. And she found that she just felt this terrible guilt and this terrible stress all the time. 
um, when she was trying to run her business and that if she wasn't able to take, if she ever got sick, the whole thing would just completely implode because there were no processes in place. So what we did with her was we got to work kind of mapping out, okay, what exactly is really moving the needle for you and what's helping you grow. And we identified like how she could streamline making her content a lot easier, how she could tweak her offers and the way she was delivering them so that that would take a lot less time. And we started to put these kind of processes in place. Once we did within a month, she had doubled her profitability and throughout the whole of the, the business, she was saving about 274 hours across the different areas. So it was incredible to watch the transformation, but most importantly, like now every day I see her going on walks with her child, like having a wonderful time, like going swimming, like she lives in a country where it's actually sunny and like me, um, and doing all of these like wonderful things while still having now, a, at this point, it's a multi six figure business within just a year. So it's just been amazing to watch how she's grown and, and just how much better she feels in herself and how happy she is. Nice. That's fantastic. So do you go in and kind of analyze what's going on and then kind of give them suggestions? Do you work with them to set up implementation or support? How does that all work? Yeah. So what we would typically do is we go in and we do like a full like three hour consultation where we really dive into the nuts and bolts. We understand like where is the time being spent? Where are things falling through the cracks? What's going on? And what's our ideal situation? Like, how do we want things to look like? And then we basically, I have like two ways of working with people. We'll either, we'll just go in and build out all the systems in one go working with the business owner. So once we've identified where things are falling through the cracks, we basically put in place processes to prevent that from happening in the future and set up all the tech stack for them. And then we have kind of like longer programs where we then help them train on board the team and really embed these new processes so that they can build momentum and start to really grow and scale throughout the rest of the year. Thanks. That sounds awesome. So how quickly could somebody kind of scale their business through understanding how, what their tech staff looks like? Yeah, so obviously this will depend, but if you can identify like the best place to start, you can actually scale it pretty quickly. So a client of mine, she was finding a lot of her time was being spent on admin, like chasing people up for invoices, chasing people up for, did you get the welcome email? Have you scheduled your call? Did I send you the thing to schedule your call? Like, where's the form? What do you need? All of that kind of like back end the admin-y stuff. Um, and no time at all on new lead generation. So she was always in this kind of like, get a client, try and onboard them, work a lot on that, but like then not getting other clients. So it was really a challenge for her to grow and scale. So what we did was we implemented an onboarding system for her that could be fully automated and just bring people in. So once they spoke to her, they could just decide if they wanted to sign up and have that whole process automated. And then within a couple of months, she had actually found that she was completely booked out. She was able to pivot her business model into an agency and stay booked out while only working 20 hours a week. So if you can identify that real needle mover, that thing that's like really holding you back, that bottleneck, you can actually scale really, really quickly. 
Love that. So how do you look at the changes that are coming down the pipe with Apple and Google and <laughs> email deliverabilities and being able mm -hmm. to cross market and all that kind of fun jazz? Yeah. So in terms of those kind of like privacy changes and challenges and how they're all trying to manage that, I think when it comes to things like your email funnels and your automations, um, it's a, if, I think if you're providing value, people will always look for your emails. So I think that whole shift and it's, I think it's, it's actually, you can look at it as a really positive thing that it's helping us as business owners shift really into the thing that we love to do, which is to serve to help others to really add value and to deliver transformation. And by having these kind of forcing functions, if you like, of algorithms and privacy and laws and like promotion folders and all of that kind of stuff, by having them in place, you're really encouraging or, or yourself to work really hard to make sure that people have a reason to go and find your stuff. I don't see that it necessarily has all of these kind of like changes, I don't see that they necessarily actually have a big impact on sales. I think people think they do, or they can see it as a, as a reason why, but actually the people that were going to buy, the people that really love what you do, they're going to look for your stuff wherever, wherever it is. Um, and so you will, you shouldn't be losing out on that. Does that answer your question? Of course. <laughs> yeah, it's your answer, right? <laughs> you can answer anything you want. That's awesome. Cool. So I know that our listeners are going to get want to get more from you. So um, how do they go about doing that? How do they start the journey with you? Yeah. So there are a couple of places where you can really start the journey with me. So I have a Facebook group um, for visionary entrepreneurs and agency owners to help them with their systems and automation. So that's a great place if you're really just looking to get started with this kind of stuff um, so that you can get direct support and answer to your questions. Um, and then another great place to catch up with me is on Instagram, where I have my account, Claire Whitaker AIC. Nice. And peeps, if you're driving right now, we will have that in the show notes. Also go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog, look for Claire or TechSport, and we will, you will find her on <laughs> those websites and those links. Awesome. So usually at this point, I'll ask you, what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to know that you could become an entrepreneur? You already kind of tipped into that, but give us a little bit more of kind of what you were going through in that transition and, you know, what made it difficult, what made it easy? Yeah. So I think my answer might be a little controversial. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think like, there are really, there are really like two main factors. So as much as I didn't realize I ever wanted to be an entrepreneur, I think I did on some level. I used to sell like pet rocks of primary school to my friends that I would paint and stick googly eyes on. So like, awesome. yeah, they were great. They, they weren't the liveliest of pets, but they were, they were consistent good. low maintenance. <laughs> yeah. Very low maintenance. Very. <laughs> Apart from the googly eyes fell off, there was some quality control issues. Um, but like generally, it was fine. But I think as well, like so many people, I'm sure, 
you kind of go into this corporate career that you're told that you should do. And then you do this. So I did my master's and then I got the graduate job and then I got the job at the big fancy tech company. And I'm just like going through this whole thing. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> like This is a terrible mistake. Um, and so I think it was a combination of being exposed to other people doing entrepreneurial things and realizing that that is what I wanted. I wanted that creativity and also being in corporate and seeing like, that is not what I want. So you have like, I used to travel a lot from work. Um, so I was like always back and forth between Seattle and I would always see like people just like on the plane, like working all the time and like looking miserable at their like, these older men who I'm like why is this still your life why are you still having to live in that way and like realizing I never wanted that and seeing in corporate like some of the way that people were treated and some of the way the things that you see in that kind of environment and how it's like so dog eat dog and like you have to speak in a certain way to get promoted and you have to act in a certain way to get promoted and all of this kind of stuff just made me realize like I don't want that for my life. I don't agree with that as like a general principle. And I want to be able to make a difference and like stand up for what I believe in and what's like right for me. So I will stop my own company. And that is obviously the only way to do this um, and have my own kind of like way of doing it where I can really just promote what I believe in around mental health, around creating freedom, around community, and all of those kind of things. Nice. Love all of that. So um, we still have a few more minutes left. So do you mind if we kind of jaunt into just kind of a little random conversation? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Because um, you've been awesome. And, and I love everything we're talking about, obviously. I don't know. Um, well, so what we do is a done for you service for Infusionsoft. So all of our clients are only Infusionsoft clients. So I, I love that they have, everybody has somebody like you to be able to come in and go, hey, this is what you need when you need it, because everybody needs that. We're not the solution for everybody by any stretch of anyone's imagination. And um, even some of the clients that kind of could be potential clients for us, we're like, no, you should really. <laughs> so I love the idea of, of having somebody like you to be able to come in and just give them a unbiased um, assessment of what's going on. So um, I guess let's go tacky. What are you looking for when you go into a business? Like you go into what's working, what's not, what's falling through the cracks. I get that. But then kind of from an IT perspective, what are you looking for as to what can solve their problems? Mm -hmm. So I think there is like some important things to look for. It's like, what is the, for, because I come from like a very data heavy background, I'm like, what is the data that we need to collect to allow this person to really kind of like deliver the results that they're after? And so, for example, a lot of clients um, who have coaching or consulting businesses, they'll do launches. And when you do a launch, you really want to have a very standardized process set up that you can tweak each time you do it and that you can customize and that you can tailor and you can segment your audience to really understand what is what is happening, who's most likely to be a good lead for you, who's most interested in the program and just generally understand what's going on. So if I have a client who has that kind of business, 
I would look for tools that allow that. So your kind of infusion soft kind of things would allow those kind of uh, processes to happen. Um, and we just want to make sure that someone can really get that, get access to that data. The other thing to be aware of when you're working with a client is like different clients have different levels of tech literacy. Um, and so you don't like, for example, a lot of the systems I do are around project management. So ClickUp is one that's like very hot right now. People are very into it. Um, and like, but a lot of people go, sign up for it and are not techie people. And then they really, really struggle with it and they struggle to get it work. Whereas for their business, something like more basic, like maybe Trello or, or something else, or like a different kind of, or Asana, for example, might be a much better option for that client to actually allow them to deliver what they want versus someone who likes to have all the different views, all the different dashboards, all the different data, all the different things, which would want a very different solution because it really needs to work for the business owner as well and like the business that they're trying to create. Of course, as you grow, you can hire more people and then maybe have a techie person that loves to do that, but that's a little bit further down the line and we want something that's going to work for you and help you to grow now. Love that. So what about, uh, talk to me about the people who have high-tech needs but low tech literacy. <laughs> <laughs> so people have high tech needs, but low tech literacy. Um, so I think there are a couple of things you can do. So first of all, there's got to be training, like a lot to make sure like the business owner does not need to understand the full details of everything that's happening with their software. But what they do need to understand is like the overall principle. Like I'm working with a client right now, helping her set up everything. And she's she's had a couple of people come in before me to try and do it, but she has absolutely no idea where anything is. She has no idea how anything works. She has no idea of this. Um, and she's just really frustrated because she doesn't need to know like how to tag or like how to like run or how to automate this thing, but she needs to know where it is <laughs> at the very least. So it's about understanding like what's the right level of training for the person in the team so that everyone can really understand that. And then the second piece is around just trying to make it as idiot proof as possible. Name things really simply, call them what they are. Like just make the process very intuitive. Don't overcomplicate something for the sake of having it overcomplicated and just make it so it's as likely not to break as possible that's a very bad sentence but you understand what i'm it's so true <laughs> yeah, so exactly. true. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably break at some point everything does but just try and minimize the breakage <laughs> that's awesome so yes i i love that and because i see so many people that'll go in and they'll just use acronyms for things and then three months later depending on how busy their business is they have no clue what that acronym means anymore yeah. <laughs> so, um we should probably name things <laughs> So yeah, probably going to be helpful in other people finding this as well. Um, yeah. Great points. And I love to keep it simple. And talk to me about the breakability of it, because I totally get what you're talking about. But some people aren't as kind of tech savvy. Um, what are some of the things that contribute to breakability in a tech system? Mm -hmm. So a really simple example that I think most people will be able to understand is the idea of broken links. So if you have things that link to specific folders or link to like 
specific um things this isn't a very techie example it's just but um <laughs> all good <laughs> just, but we'll link to like different things and then you change that without updating those links that will break so if you're trying to then click on it or if it's like within a process you will lose that information so it's very important to have like processes in place that when you do change things those kind of things get updated like making sure that um systems aren't set up for just one person to have access to them or one person to have permission to change things because if they leave and you've not done that then you've kind of lost that and you'll need to find a way and that's another kind of way that things can break and it's really just making sure that as well as you update things and as you migrate things that there is a process in place to check <laughs> like it still works and check that if for example let's say for example i'm going to use another slightly untechy example but when facebook did their most recent update they changed a load of stuff around how you run groups and how you run this and how you do this well if you weren't aware of that and then you tried to do some of the things that you used to be able to do they now don't work or things aren't happening in the way that you expected them to. So from your perspective, that's a broken system. So you just need to be aware, particularly if you're using a software that you don't own, that that can happen. Um, and so making sure that you're staying on top of those kind of updates so, so that you are able to continue to use the tools. <laughs> and so many people are like, keep up with who? <laughs> like, yeah, I get that too. It's. It's a never ending because I mean, you got to understand Facebook and Google, they have like how many engineers working for them. Their, their job is to change things up, like whether it's yeah. working or not sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you complain about something that doesn't work at Google, eventually someone will fix it, but they might not tell you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and I know so many business owners have an issue with, they set up things looking forward going, oh, I just need this in place, just put it in place as opposed to, hey, six months from now, I plan on having five people working on this. How would we set it up if we had five people working on this, which is a totally different system structure. Like to me, it's so important that somebody comes to you and, and discusses what their kind of future plans are because it makes an, an epic difference on the way that they set up everything from onboarding their systems, whether or not they're using spreadsheets or, or Trello or, uh, software management or project management software. I, it's yeah. give me an example of somebody that's um, just kind of a walking disaster but doesn't know it. Ooh, me three. Years. <laughs> <laughs> me? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, a walking, so someone who's a walking disaster. So, so there are a few examples. I think someone who is, here's an example actually from a call I had recently. So I had, I was on a call with a person and they were telling me about how they run their business. And they were like, it's obviously very systemized. Everything is really, really like, well, like organized. I do this and then I do this and then I do this and then I do this. And I'm like, okay. And she was like, so I'm going to launch this new thing or I'm pivoting and I now want to take on, I want to triple the size of my business and take on 50 new people, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Okay, so that process you just described, where you do everything manually and it's very systemized, how does that work for 50 people in a day? Like, how does that then happen? 
because I think it's it's easy to kind of say like, oh, well, I manage it now. I like it's manageable now. But then if you were to try and add, like, for example, if you were trying to onboard five new team members tomorrow, like your onboarding process where you hold your hand and talk them through everything is fine for one every few months, but it's not fine for five tomorrow. And if you have big growth plans in your business, manageable is probably a massive red flag if you're thinking about systems because you want something that's going to be structured that doesn't rely on you if you're a big part of the process in all the processes that's going to become a huge bottleneck um and the same thing even if you have teams if there's just like one person who you rely on to do to manually collect all of this information, for example, that's going to become an issue when you start to grow and scale. And those people are probably the ones that are the biggest walking disasters. That's awesome. So what are some of the kind of most modern best practices for doing uh, standard operating procedures and other like onboarding a, an employee and onboarding a client? Mm-hmm. So you know, once upon a time, I used to write like the four inch binder worth of SOPs. And this is how you put a visa charge through. It's like, nobody's going to read that. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. So when I create my SOPs, so I like to keep them as like the key workflow steps. Like what are like the key things that people need to remember um, and need to happen. And then when you have very specific, like technical things that someone needs to do, like for example, Um, I had one that was like refunding people when a certain thing happened. Then I would always link to the documentation that is used by the provider. So for example, if you're using Stripe to manage your payments, link to their documentation. Because number one, if someone knows how to do it, they don't need it in the SOP anyway. But number two, that process is likely to be updated at some point. Um, And you don't want to have to keep going through this binder of like a thousand pages every time that someone updates something. So it's much better to just link to the documentation that will be updated by the service provider um, or by the the software that you're using. Another thing I love to do, well, two other things I love to do with FAQs, uh, with FAQs, with SOPs. First one is to have an FAQ section. So this really allows your SOP to become a working document. So you can have someone who previously owned the process. um, And when you take on that process, interview them, like say like, where are some of the questions I have around this and add those into an FAQ section. It helps make sure that there's complete clarity and it also gives someone like real ownership over that and makes them feel more involved in the process. So they're more likely to use it and understand it, which can be just a really nice way of keeping things fresh and keeping things up to date. I won't claim that one. I stole that from some a woman who has a really great uh, YouTube channel. Her name is Layla. I'll send you the link if you're interested, but I won't claim it as my own, but it does work really well. And then I like to also add red, amber, green flags on everything. So if a process works really well, it's green. If it's kind of a bit, it's amber. And if it's really broken and you need to change it, it's red. (laughs) So that you can keep doing that and store it in a place where people are regularly working. So it becomes more of an active part of the process. Nice. Love all that. That's awesome. Hey, so it has been fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. And you've done awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Yeah, I would just love to say as a last word, I think 
when people think about like the idea of systemizing their businesses or creating all of this process and all this tech, it can feel really overwhelming. But my, my piece of advice is take it step by step, like choose the thing that bugs you most and fix that first. You may find fixing that will actually solve so many more of your other issues um, that you don't need to then go on and do everything else. And just really approach it from the mindset of continuous improvement. If you try for perfection, you'll never finish. So just go for good enough and then keep working on it. Love that. Awesome. Thank you, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, if you have any questions or a topic you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or link, connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.